Hey, Magic fans, Dante Marcatelli here from the Orlando Magic. You're listening to the Penny for Your Thoughts podcast from the guys at Orlando Magic UK. Now it's over to Paul, Garen, and Mikey. Go Magic! Hey Magic fans and welcome to Penny for Your Thoughts, the podcast of the Orlando Magic UK. Um, today we're going to be getting into uh, talking about Paolo and asking if the playoffs for this season are now a pipe dream. Gary, how are you doing my friend? Always good in the north, Paul. How are you? Very, very well my friend. Been a busy week, been working. I know I don't do it too often, but uh, yeah, it's been a busy week working. G, how's your week been mate? Uh, busy like you, Paul, with work. Uh, just glad it's the weekend. Uh, we've got some magic basketball tonight. So, uh, yeah, roll on the weekend and a few beers, mate. Absolutely. Um, Mikey Clark, how's you, mate? I'm good. I'm good. Like you boys, work's been busy. Uh, been back into the gym this week, getting up at half four, five o'clock and getting my sessions in. You can call me Dom this week because the <laughs> Doms are real, if you know what that means. Yeah. Jeez, no. Paul, like, what? No. No. <laughs> what, you want, what you want about? Can I just say, it wouldn't getting up at half past four, five o'clock in the morning to go to the gym. I don't think it's the Doms are <laughs> real. It's clearly the Doms. It's just beyond ridiculous. <laughs> Sorry, well, well, Mikey's seen as the Mandalorians um, back on Disney. I'm just going to say this is the way. Well done. This is the way. <laughs> <laughs> Have you boys watched episode one yet? Not yet, yeah, mate. Oh, you got some catch up. Becky was like, we're not doing anything else on Wednesday night except the Mandalorian at half seven when Lily's gone to bed. But uh, yeah, you got you got to tune in. It's a good, it's definitely a good it, watch. It, it will be watched, but uh, at the moment, Mrs. B is uh, dominating the uh, Disney Plus feed, trying to finish off uh, catching up on Grey's Anatomy. Well, Amy's watching that as well. Mate, I... Uh, what, what is it, it about 18, that? 18, 18 series or something like that? I think we're on series 14 now. Oh, she's on so, series yeah. two. I've got a long way to go. Oh, mate. <laughs> oh, oh, you have Strap you yourself have in, G. <laughs> yeah. 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 You're going to get to listen to a lot of podcasts while she's sat pretending to be involved in uh, watching Grey's Anatomy, mate. Yeah. Just, just one, just one AirPod in. Just, yeah. So, Oh, yes, darling. Yes, I'm listening to it. Yeah, it's great. Yeah. <laughs> as, you're, as you're listening to the Six Man Show or something. Yeah. This is not the way. Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll, alternatively, G, just switch it off and say no. Yeah. There's another option for you. <laughs> now we know we know who's the boss say, of G's household, and it's not G. That's yeah. for sure. I was going to yeah. say we know who the single man is amongst the three of us. Uh, who... <laughs> <laughs> this, this, this is the way. This is the way. <laughs> Gary, I've got to just say, um, nice shirt by the way. The, the it's now arrived and all framed. The Admiral shirt. Oh yeah, yeah. I was really uh, happy with that because I, I had an idea of what it was going to look like. Um, and I've been waiting to do it for ages, and then I took it down and just kind of mapped out. This is exactly what I want, and went out to collect it, and it was just exactly as I wanted it to be. So, yeah, it's going to be uh, hanging hanging on my um, landing upstairs. Very nice, mate. It's it's absolute quality. Yeah, really good thing. Yeah. That was uh, a good investment, mate. I very much like it. 
Salute maybe, the Admiral. Maybe you need to put Admiral's tweet that he replied back to you with and frame that and put that in there as well. <laughs> I'm running out of money, Maggie. <laughs> I kind of just keep <laughs> no, framing everything. I'll, I'll, get a, I'll get another one. I'll get another frame, stick it next to it. I'll just blue tag it on or something. <laughs> no, don't do that. Oh man, oh, that's brilliant. But yeah, I know. love, love the, love the, uh, love the shirt with the features. It looks brilliant. Yeah. Man. I really love yeah, that. It does. Yeah, mm. it does. So, should we get into it then, guys? It's, Let's uh, do it. As we as we're recording, it's Friday the third of March, and uh, this week it's been kind of a slow news week as far as the team goes. We've uh, seen the return of Michael Carter Williams to the club on a two-year contract. I believe the uh, second year is, is team option. Um. So, despite being on the bench so far, he's uh, uh, seen no minutes in any of the games. But, Gary, what are your thoughts on uh, us bringing him back into the fold? I think it's a, a move that's maybe divided people. Um, I think you've seen it a little bit in our our group chat. And you can see it a bit on Magic Twitter as well. And for the record, when you look back at the previous stint of MCW, I really like them actually as a player because I felt in our old team, he was probably like our only real tough guy and forcer who you would see would, would give it out a little bit. Um, and I think the nature of the team has changed a little bit since then. Um, but I like the hustle. I like the defensive side. And I do think he's there because he's obviously impressed with his work ethic and his attitude. I think that's they wouldn't have brought him back if they didn't like that. So I think the veteran side of him, not playing many minutes, he's obviously doing things that they like. I think that's why he's there, because he was assumed before as being like a Steve Clifford guy, I think. Mm. But now I'm thinking, is that really the case, or is it really a Weltham guy instead? Um, the cons of it all is that MCW can't shoot and <laughs> that's what more than anything we really need. And whereas I really like, look, I like him, I've already said it, but the thing that went through my mind after it happened was we didn't have Jill and Suggs and Gary Harris when we had MCW before. We do now. And we've got two very, very competent defenders there. And Markel's really stepped his defensive side up and Cole's worked on it. So it's kind of a different backcourt that he's stepping into. And I saw a tweet, and I, whoever it was who tweeted this, I for, forgive me, but I, I can't remember your handle. Um, but you could flip it and say, and I totally see this, we went into trade deadline and lost RJ Hampton, Terence Ross, Mo Bamba, and you could flip it and say the return of that was we got Michael Carter-Williams back after you've cut Pat Bev. So I can totally see that argument. For me, I don't mind. It's if we needed somebody on the bench, we needed somebody who wasn't going to unsettle the locker room, and they and they they know more than what we do. We don't see what happens behind the scenes. If if he wasn't a positive presence, he wouldn't be there. But for anyone saying they're not on board with it, given how the team's made up now, and given that I doubt MCW is coming back as a good three point shooter. Um, I can see that point as well, but I do like them. So, yeah, that's my... I mean, for me, I th I'm not actually convinced he's been brought in to play that often. I think I put this in the in the group, um, that he seems to be there more as a veteran presence, a voice on the bench. If uh, I know that you're still in the process, Gary, of watching the um, mm. Milwaukee game. And you can see in that game, MCW is there 
talking to Jalen. He's really giving him some instructions. Um, and I think there's one point where David or Jeff mentioned, or it's Dante who mentioned, about how much he is getting into the timeouts and the animated presence that he is. Um, mm-hmm. So for me, it's kind of more, he's been brought in more for that role than necessarily playing. But I think he's there as a defensive presence in case we see somebody, be it Gary, Harris or Jalen go down and him need to step in and provide a few minutes. Mm-hmm. That'd be my view. I, I quite yeah. like the move. I quite like it. I've got no great mm-hmm. issues. I don't think we've brought a veteran into play necessarily. I was I just agree. quite impressed that um, that I managed to call it last week when we were talking about the open <laughs> roster spot. What's the we chances? move on from that. <laughs> no, G, you did, you did say you did, mate. Yeah. G, I've got to ask you, what's the lottery numbers for this week? Because if you could just tweet, text yeah. them through to me. I know. I'm really, I know. I'm, I'm really happy to see how mystic you are, and I'll, I'll give you a 10% cut if you're right. I, I wish I knew the lottery numbers, mate. Because we wish you knew the lottery numbers. Though. I know, mate. <laughs> mystic oh, Jones. <yeah>. So, <clears throat> absolutely. Now we've also seen Paolo. Paolo Anquero named Eastern Conference Rookie of the Month for the third straight month. Uh, he joins Shaquille O'Neal as the only player in Magic history to be named NBA's Rookie of the Month in three consecutive months. Uh, Shaq did do the um, fate four times, November 92 through to 93. So throwing in is this anything stat that um, on 20-point plus games that David brought out in the, was it the books game, I think? Gee, how would you evaluate Paolo so far this season? Put my teeth in. I'm having a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, let's be honest, guys. We've got ourselves a bona fide star there, haven't we? Um, obviously, we've seen a little bit of a dip in February uh, in terms of his um, points per game. Um, obviously, started after season, you know, 22 in October, 22 November, 19 December, 20 in January. And he's good for what? 19.7 for the season. Um, and if you compare that to, and I shout out uh, Weld God on Twitter because he came up with this one Scotty Barnes, last year's rookie of the year, his overall you know, figures were 15, 7.5, and 3.5. And, and Paolo's worst month, Paolo's better because he's doing 16.6, 7.5, 3.3. So that tells you how much of a you know, a jump we've got this year from last year's, you know, rookie of the year. Um, look, you watch that Pelican game and that fourth quarter, what, you know, it was just give it to Paolo, get out of the yeah. way, give it to Paolo, um, making jump shots, you know, uh, backing down, fade away, uh, getting rebounds, being in the right place, at the right time. Um, you just felt like you had that go-to scorer, and we've touched upon this countless times on the podcast. Um, but you you really really think that that the front office has got the man um, from last year's draft absolutely spot on. His field goal percentage will go up. You know, forty-two percent isn't that bad for for a rookie. Um, Three-point field goal, obviously, it's been bad. I know, Paul, you're going to touch upon this in a second. Um, you know, he didn't have the best February, but even with that, he's still shooting 27%. So he started off okay beginning part of the year. So, you know, that's going to be worked upon in the summer, no doubt. He's getting to the line at uh, quite a rate. Um, 
he's making 75% of his free throws, getting to the line seven and a half times uh, a game. Um, so it, it's just really on, on the magic to to surround him now w- with the right players. Um, and we'll, we'll touch upon the Bucks game um, in a little bit. Um, obviously, you know, comparisons there a little bit to Giannis, but Giannis has got shooters. Um, so it, it's on the front office now to, to get better shooters with, you know, 27th in the league uh, on three-point field goals made at 10.6. Um, and then percentage-wise, we're at 34.6, which is 23rd in the league. So we need to get better shooters uh, surrounding him, but we've got the building block in him, Wagner, Boltz, uh, and a couple of others. So, um, no, superb rookie campaign. You couldn't really ask of more. Uh, we've really struck out. Are you? I mean, you've mentioned there that I've, I've put in the in the in the subjects for tonight about Paolo's three point shooting percentages um, yeah. that they're getting highlighted. He, uh, in October, he made twenty nine percent from three. November was twenty five percent. December was his best month with thirty three point eight. January thirty two point eight, and then February we've had a real dip down to three point. 3% where he made one of 33 efforts, which according to Open Court is um, the worst three-point percentage in a month in NBA history with at least one three made. Are you concerned at the three-point shooting, G? Personally? <sighs> no. If you're, no. Score, if you're scoring as 20 points nearly a game in other ways, I can sort of live with it a bit. Yeah, and you've, you've seen a stroke from, from the previous months, you know, um, you know, I play on a Tuesday night and I'm not very good. But, you know, you have some nights where it's just not happening. Um, but, you know, he's he's a proven professional that has done it in the previous months. Uh, his form looks good. Um, and I'm sure the coaches will be working on him, you know, to just to sort of right that wrong for February. Uh, and it'll come good. But once he has that as a, a weapon in his arsenal... You know, you're looking at somebody who's going to be unstoppable in a couple of couple of years. I mean, for me, it's not as if they've. Yes, there's been some air balls. There's been some that you're looking for. Oh dear! But there's a lot have been hitting the rim. A mm. lot have been. There's been a couple of shots that have defied gravity, rolled round, come been right through, and come back out. Um, you know that if they'd have dropped, perhaps it would. You know, we've seen often enough players get one go through, and that's it. Off they go. Yeah. You, 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 sports a confidence game uh, and I say he's getting his 20 points a game roughly on in other ways I can it, it, there's got to be some weakness in a rookie's game surely to God yeah. somewhere to be develop fine. absolutely mm-hmm. I, I going to be absolutely fine I genuinely think it's been overblown I do think it's been over over publicised um, the other thing on, is th- on magic socials the other thing is he's hitting that rookie wall. He's obviously had a dip in in efficiency over the last month or so, but he's already being treated like one of the star players. He's getting double teams. He's getting the opposing team's best defenders going up against him night in, night out. And he's just going through those struggles at the moment. And I think he's, I'm, I'm more happy that he's still shooting them. I think if he stopped shooting them, that would be more of an issue. Um, no, nah, keep shooting him. He's got all summer to work on that. 
And uh, I'll tell you what, if he can get up to what his averages have been for December and January, even though that's below an NBA average, if he can get up to 33 34% next season, then, mate, <laughs> good luck. It was, it was um, during the books game that it was met, that they were saying about I think it was Jeff Turner had said that you don't associate Giannis with three point shooting but he makes them at time from time to time doesn't have the best percentage but you have to be aware that he can make them oh, you and live with that get, and you live yeah. with that don't you yeah. and if you get Paolo doing the same sort of thing as you've just said Mikey with a 30 odd percent you live with it that's great if you're getting points elsewhere mm. but you you do have some threat I'm happy with that I'm happy with that. Uh, out of interest, Paul, you know, when you said there about the different months and then like the recent yeah. criticism. So if we say in March, Bancaro puts in, say, 37% three, does the narrative then become that he's a pretty good three-point percentage shooter and we should just Absolutely, look at it on that this, this is where I say, I I think it's been blown out of all proportion. Yeah. It's a knee-jerk. Yeah. Right it, now, it, that's it's, a knee-jerk. Well, it's based, yeah. on th- it's based on 34 shots. Yeah, you know what I mean. This is what we're talking here about. When you look at his stats, and you you mentioned rightly about um, the comparison to um, Scotty Barnes. Yeah, I could be wrong here, but Eastern Conference Rookie of the Month and such, because the Western Conference really you're looking at it and you're going Walker Kessler and such is getting a lot of love at the minute. Keegan Murray be a player who you'd be looking at, but beyond Paolo, for me, the second best rookie in the league is Jaden Ivey. Okay. And Jaden Ivey in like in a really good month for Jaden Ivey is averaging less than Paolo in a bad month for Paolo Banquero. Which <laughs> you know, that, that kind of says it all when we're nitpicking a guy who isn't the three point shooters, three yeah. point percentages, and then he's better as G was saying about than than the rookie of the all the rookies from last season. And he's still clearing the best rookies in this class when you were saying, Oh, he's had a bad month. A bad month for Paolo Bancaro is better than the rookie of the year and every other rookie this season. Right, absolutely. Yeah. And I think that's an absolutely fair point. Now, as we're recording tonight, um, the Magic sit with a record of 26 wins and 37 losses. 13th in the Eastern Conference. Last season, we had a final record of 22 wins and 62 losses. So we're already four better wins. In the, sorry, four wins better in the column than we were at the end of last season with 19 games remaining. Now, the Magic are four games back of Washington, who are in 10th, and we've dropped uh, back of Indiana, who were in 12th by two games because of their more recent wins. They've had a little bit of form. So the only team we are playing in the chase for the playing tournament is Washington. We play them twice. So, Mike, I'm just asking the question. With the schedule we have remaining and the lack of direct opportunities to affect the teams ahead of us, how do you evaluate the Magic's chances of making the playing tournament? I think they can still make it. I think it's going to be harder than it was a few games ago. Um, Mm -hmm. It's four and a half games back now after Washington beat Toronto which makes it a little bit more difficult. And I said this, I think it was on our first episode back when we got when we got the podcast going again. And 
I said when we looked at the games against those teams in and around us, I thought we had to win at least four or five of those because they were six pointers. They were they were just as important, if not more important, than all the other games against the Bucks and and some of these other teams we've got to play. Um, and that Pacers loss, although you can't just put it down up to one game, it, it did feel like one nail in the coffin. Um, yeah. Yes, we bounced back two nights later and beat the Pelicans, but that the the impact of beating the Pacers would have outweighed bouncing back against the, the Pelicans in the win-loss column and trying to catch those teams above us. Um, do I think they can still make it? Yes. I mean, it's, it's still still possible. They can it's still make it four and a half yeah. games. Um, but I am starting to feel it, it's getting to the point where it's going to be too much of an uphill climb at this point. I mean, we've still got to play the Washington Wizards twice. And I yep. think when we played them the last time, they they kicked our asses. I think we lost by 20 or 30 in that game. And uh, and and we haven't really matched up well with them this year. And they're playing well at the moment. They've been winning a few games lately. So you're going to have to win both of those for me to even still have a chance to get into that those one of those last two spots. Um yeah, it's difficult. I mean, I, I had a quick look at Tankathon. We've got the 16th uh, hardest remaining schedule. Washington have got the 15th remaining schedule. So, that I mean, you could say we've got as good a chance of them as, as picking up as many wins. Toronto have actually got the hardest remaining schedule out of every, yeah, this a, every team. This is a real stinker. This is really hard. But Toronto have been here before. They know how to to play well down the stretch. So, yeah, I, if I'm honest, I actually think it's starting to look like it might settle in with the Raptors and the Wizards being in those last two spots as it stands. But look, it, it only takes one player. It only takes Bradley Bill to go and get injured for Washington or the Raptors going and, and Siakam misses some games and then you might be able to catch one of these teams. But yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, if you take care of business, if you win your games then you're going to be in with a shout but it's um it's getting to the point where we can't we we can't keep trading one win and one loss it's got we've got to start putting a bit of a winning streak together now down the stretch yeah, you need you do, definitely do need that run definitely do need that run now because uh, we've been I put it in today's game preview that for the past 10 games we've been in a sequence of win one lose one yeah that that can't continue if we want to chase somebody down as far as if we, if I don't think as fans for the when you look overall for the season, if we went the rest of the season win one lose one, would we be unhappy at thirty two wins for the season? No. Considering where we were last season, no, sorry, thirty six wins for the season as opposed to twenty two last season, that represents a really good progress. Yeah. Well, I completely agree, mate. I mean, at the end of the day, it's been a successful season. We yeah, know what we're moving ahead with now. So whether we get in or not is, is beyond... It doesn't, it doesn't really matter. I mean, it's just more experience for, for Paolo Franz, Markel, playing in more meaningful games. And look, I hope they do take it down to the last few games because they're... I, I think I read Greg Anthony put a tweet out a couple of days ago about saying playing games down the stretch of the seasons, almost like adding on another year onto some of these players mm. in terms of their experience mm. and what they can learn from this. Um, 
But I mean, you go through the last, what was it, 18, 19 games we've got left? 19. There's still, there's still 19, plenty yeah. of winnable games. I mean, you've got, you've got, uh, we've got Hornets tonight. I mean, if you don't win that, then you definitely ain't going in. Uh, we've already beat the Blazers. We've got the Bucks again. And, and if we compete like we did against the other night, and we'll get into that shortly, we can we 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 can we can give them a run for their money. Um, the Jazz is winnable. We've got the Heat twice. We've got the Spurs. The Clippers are zero and four since Russell Westbrook signed for them. So we could keep that streak going. LeBron's injured at the moment, so you've got the Lakers coming up at near the end of the month. You've got the Wizards twice, like I said. You've got the Nets again. The Pistons. So there are plenty of games there that the Magic can pick up some wins and, and get themselves back into this picture. But yeah, it's um, we'll, we'll see, we'll see. I mean, we need to get Jonathan Isaac back on the floor because uh, the record's been pretty good with him back. But uh, that's a that's yeah. a topic for, to talk about shortly. Well, since we recorded last, um, the Magic's played three games. We uh, lost 1-2-1 one, one, to 108 in the Amway to the Pacers. Um, I mean, you've got to say, Miles Turner and Tyrese Halliburton were excellent in that game. They really did turn up and play. Uh, for us, Franz Wagner led the team with 21 points. Wendell had 11 rebounds. And Cole turned up with five assists. We then... Went on the road to New Orleans and I think put a really strong win together. Play 108 to 93. Um, you've already touched on how good Parlo was in the fourth quarter for 29 points in total, eight coming down the stretch. Markel had five assists um, and Wendell again with uh, his assists 11. Uh, sorry, rebounding 11. Um, and then the final game was to the Milwaukee Bucks, where 117-139 loss. Cole turned up. He really turned up in that game. Um, he was superb. 28 points. Uh, Markel carrying on with 21, his scoring tear that he's been on recently. Um, so, I'm going to ask you, G, about the Bucks game. Because it was the magic. I thought the magic played really hard. They fought hard throughout. But were you disappointed at the margin or manner of the defeat in Milwaukee? Um, honestly, no. Um, mm. Just because that Milwaukee team is the best team we have seen all season by an absolute country mile. Um, they're very well coached, set out. They're deep. Um, they're also missing Chris Middleton and Wes Matthews from that from that team, so uh, they've got those to come back. You've got you know you got people coming off the bench and Jay Crowder, Bobby Portis, Myers Leonard, Joe Ingles have all been starters on very good teams. So as soon as the starting unit goes off, you get these you know nobodies. Yeah, I'm, gonna, I'm just about <laughs> to say. Mikey, I was just about to say, am I hearing? Praise and love for Joe Ingles. Who I don't I, like where, Joe Ingles. Where, where, He's a convict. He's dead. 
I'm not a fan of Joe Ingles. I'm not a fan of him. But and he's talking about nobodies. He's like green guy who hit a bunch of threes on us. But anyway, I digress. <laughs> but no, they, so they've got literally about four or five players deep who've had starting roles on various other teams. They're very well coached. Um, you know, they've surrounded Giannis with shooting. So you build the wall and they just knock you out, knock you down from 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 the corners, shooting forty six percent. Did they shoot forty six percent? No, I've just got that wrong. Um, but they made what twenty six three point field goals. Um, if the team shoots that against you, you're never going to win you. But in fairness, like you said, Paul, I thought we competed admirably. We were in in with a shout. Half time, the third quarter, it started to get away from us. Uh, we did out rebound them. Uh, shot forty percent. We shot forty six percent. There we go. Um, and we only had thirteen turnovers in Milwaukee. So, you know, putting up 117, the offense was there, but obviously the defense wasn't, you know, there to um, stop that Milwaukee onslaught. Let's be fair, the number of times that I know we've we've talked about our defense of the three-point shot. In that game, I genuinely felt that there were quite a few of those threes that were well contested, Mm. but they were just red hot. Their shooting that night was something to behold. Uh, I know they didn't get the record, but there was points where you genuinely looked and thought, I really hope we are not going to be the team that's on the back end of a team putting 33 pointers through. Because it, it, they were shooting that ball straight. They were. They were. Yeah, I mean, the only disappointing for me was potentially just the, the second chance points they got. A couple of times, Grayson Allen had a three. He'd miss it. And he'd go yeah. straight back to him, and then he'd just knock it in on the second chance. So that was disappointing. Um, but all in all, you play like that on the road in most cities, and you know, you're going to have a chance. Like you said, Paul, Cole 28, Markel 21, uh, Wendell 19, Franz 18. You know, you're close to 100 there just by four players. So, um, it is what it is. It is what it is. It was. Um, and on that night, Paolo only had nine points. Yeah, so Paolo now, had nine points. Yeah, go on then. You you go. Go I on, got a point go on, on mate. Because well, now we've got we've got to have a reference with Garand. Because yes. let's be fair, you must you must have been screaming at that television the difference in how offensive fouls were being called for Giannis to what Paolo was getting. Yeah. I mean, we were watching it in the first half, and I was—I think Paolo had nine points, five rebounds, five assists, and I'm thinking, well, he might be on for a triple double here. But then, literally a couple of possessions later, was the first quote offensive foul, and then next possession after, I think it must have been, yeah, probably it was within next, a couple. Yeah, I think it was, yeah. Again, the exact same call. Joe Ingles just stood stood there. So hang on. So there was contact there, but they called the offensive foul on the second person behind him. So you're thinking, hang on, what's going on here? And that almost seemed to knock Paolo's confidence a little bit because we didn't sort of play through him afterwards. But then Giannis, on the other end, he gets the ball. Somebody blows, you know, breathes on him. And all of a sudden, it's a, you know, send into the line. And there was one then, beginning of the second half, yeah, so I make my notes here. I'm watching it. Um, I think Mark Markel Fultz was trying to stop a fast break, and he was possibly within just by the three point line. 
foul happened. He continued, took a few steps, then gathered, then shot the ball. And then there was a bit of an argument going on about, was he in the act of shooting? Well, he, he blatantly wasn't, but he just walks the line anyway. And he got the call because of who he is. Um, but going back to that offensive foul on pa- uh, Paolo, it was good to see the challenge from Coach Mosley and him get animated. But if I were him, I would have just taken the tee and just go right into the referee's faces because you want to see that a bit more because then they might change their tone about actually calling it the right way when Paolo is actually attacking. I, mean, I think I think the point that you make about it perhaps affecting his confidence is a really good one because it's we've we've spoken about how often um, Paolo is getting to the line for free throws. That night, he shot two free throws, made one of two. That's probably one of the lowest stats he's had in that category for the season. Yeah. So, I mean, on on the night we we got a a, a number of free throws. Um, you know, Wendell shot eight, Franz shot eight, uh, and Cole he shot seven. So we were getting we were getting free throw calls. I'm, uh, I'm not criticising those calls. I just think that that's a very good point that you make about perhaps it affected how Paolo went about the rest of the game. I mean, the call that summed the night up, and I think it was in the first quarter when Yanis got, I think he got an and one and he pushed off and he had a full extension of his arm. Yeah. Remember yeah. that one? Yeah. And I was thinking, if you can't see that with the length of Yanis's arms, <laughs> then... We're in for a tough night. I mean, I never, th- I never felt like the calls affected the way we played. Right, Do you know what yeah. I mean? I, I don't think, I don't think that really played into our mindset. Obviously, there was a bit of frustration with the way a few calls went, but I never felt like we dropped our heads. I always felt like we we were still in the game. We we had a good attitude. We had a good approach to the game. They knew they were up against it. They just kept working. And at the end of the day, you just ran into one of the best teams in the NBA. And uh, yeah. I, I hope they win it all for me. Mm. I say, I just wonder if you's point about it perhaps affecting Paolo's confidence because I've only just mm. seen that free throw stat as we sat here mm. talking. Um, and I've got the box score up in front of me. And you see that Paolo only shoots two free throws in that game. Which I think perhaps yeah. he got perhaps he got fouled calls uh, uh, earlier on that then resulted in them being in the penalty but mm-hmm. weren't shooting fouls. Uh, I'm not, but I, I you know I, I wasn't aware of that during the game. But I do think it's perhaps a decent point he's made there. I, the, I the think we need. Yeah. No, no, you go first, man. It's just a little no, funny point on no. the end. No, we've, we've done enough talking. You carry on. <laughs> Just we need to speak to Dante's people. We need to get like a segment where it's like a now ref rant with Garant, or like, oh, no. or we need to just call it Garant. That's the other <laughs> thing. It's just we need this to be a regular segment. I love listening to it, G. So if we're getting bad calls in games, I'm kind of like making a note of them. To bring it in the really, subject, I, re- I really, really, really want to see um, something come up where it's like, yeah, here's G. G's going to kick off. Which ones are going to be? I look forward to G knows this. G knows this. But if Mikey and I have watched a game ahead of G, 
<laughs> I can guarantee you, if there's something ha- if there's something happened, we will be messaging one another saying, "How long? What's how long are you having in a game before we're getting a message from G moaning about this call or that call?" We, we, yeah. You could have a sweepstakes. In fact, we could we could ha- add it to uh, instead of magic moments, we could have. Oh, the competition is how many minutes into a game before G has a moan about the officials. Yeah. <laughs> or you could have, are the officials going to call the game properly? Yes or no? <laughs> and then everyone will score a point for saying no. <laughs> I love yeah. the converse argument there, G. Good yeah. man. Good man. Yeah. <laughs> we, again, we've, we've already touched on it as we've been going through. So, Gary, there's been some strong guard play this week. Um, mm-hmm. What's been your take on Markel and Cole's play? Right, so I'll start with Cole, and you know where I stand with Cole on things. Um, but that Milwaukee game was just classic Cole Anthony from last season, where it was electrifying. Um, from what I've seen so far, I'm in the fourth quarter now. But that stat line, if you just look at that, twenty-eight points, seven rebounds, four assists. It's it's what he was doing. Thank you, G. I, I like that you've got your badge on there. Very well done. <laughs> I'm going to say, I'm, cra- I'm laughing because G showed me this badge after we'd recorded last week. Yeah. And, he sa- and he said to me, I've got to wear it this week. I've got to put it on. I've got to put it on. <laughs> and I'd completely forgotten about it as I wrote in the section about talking about guard play. And <laughs> off it pops. Good man, G. You need to get it on a headband. Just put it on your brow yeah. and stuff for it to be class. No, in, in, case, it's, in case anyone's not watching it on YouTube, it's basically a, a badge that says, my favourite player, then it's got the face of Mark L. Fultz. And they were giving them out at the Magic game against the... Oh, gosh, I can't remember. It must have been the Pelicans when I was over there in January. Anyway, sorry, Gary. It's all right. My favourite player is Cole Anthony. <laughs> in case anyone didn't know about that. The 28 points, seven rebounds and four assists. That performance there was basically what Cole was doing pre-injury last year. That was a typical Cole Anthony performance in that 20-game span. And so I think really what we're getting is we're getting those flashes still there. And I just, I do think Cole's a bit slept on. And I know I'm biased, but I do. And then you look at the last 10, you've got a 22-year-old here who's putting up 12 points, four rebounds, four assists on 46% field goals. You know, if you were judging him as a sixth man, and I still think that argument's open for me, but it's basically you look at that and you go, well, that's actually someone who you would say has got that chance to step into elite territory in that category as well, if that's where he ends up. And yeah, there's been some off nights and there's been some on nights, as we saw against Milwaukee. But I think a lot of, and we we know I like T. Ross as well, but there's a lot of it where you compare a sixth man in Orlando in recent memory to Terence Ross because he was so good for that period under Steve Clifford. But we forget that T. Ross had a lot of off nights as well, a lot of nights where it wasn't falling for him. And I think, you know, people might look at Cole and go, oh, he needs to do this. And we need to bear in mind what he is doing is pretty good for a 22-year-old. He's doing well. And I still don't think that's necessarily a settled argument. But you saw what Cole can do against Milwaukee and, you know, long may it continue. Um, with Mark, if you look at it and you compare it with Markel, Markel's the only guard on the Magic roster in years where if you look at Cole's best stretch in that like 20 game, 25 game sample, Markel Fultz is really the only guard who's comparable in that in that stretch, and that is in Markel's current stretch 
So I think really we've got like, it shows you the strength of what we've got now when our, I would say our two best guard performers for years are actually both on the current roster based on potential and windows that we've had glimpses at them in and they're still both young. Um, Markel speaks for himself. When he plays, we win more and he's playing really, really well now. So if you look at his stretch, really you've got a guy, he's putting 96% in nearly at the free throw line. Like yeah. When we got him from Philadelphia, bear in mind when he came to us, we saw we saw it on Twitter where there was like video clips of Markel. He can't even shoot a free throw, and you were showing his arm and shoulder. And the, the argument was, this guy's finished. He can't do anything, and he's now at ninety six percent for free throws. In his last ten, he's fifty two percent from the field for a guard. That's that's impressive. He's putting up sixteen and a half a game, five point three assists, five point two rebounds. If if he can get if you, if we use that argument when people look at shooting style, a ninety six percent free throw shooter, somewhere thirty seven percent on on decent threes in a game, you know you look at that there and then you start to say well, that's when you start thinking about that De'Aaron Fox style argument coming in where the leap he's made this season and how he's now being talked about. So Mark Helfeld's really instrumental to what we're doing in Orlando. If he could just get that three ball to fall, I think there's another leap there for him as well. And I don't think he's hit his ceiling yet. It is quite amusing if we think as well that when Markel came over, um, there was a lot of noise. And I, I don't mind Philadelphia, actually. I've got, a good, I've got a friend who's a Philadelphia fan. But there was a lot of Philadelphia noise about, you know, but we kept Ben Simmons. <laughs> and look at how great Ben Simmons is. I think that argument now is starting to come home to roost about who the better um, top pick there was for Philly. Um, I just think if we think about with what we've got in the guard spots now and we think about our big three, which is Markel, Cole and Jalen, we really just need to see something in the backcourt where there's a consistent three-point threat there who can go off. We really need that. And going back to what we said earlier on Paolo Banquero, I think what we're seeing is is that teams, as we know, we've talked about it, are putting their best defenders and they're preparing for Paolo. That is what they're doing. How do we stop Paolo Banquero? And they're starting to cram the paint out to try and stop him getting in there and getting to the line as much as he does. So if we can get somebody, whether it's Markel's free throw shoot and translates to threes, whether Cole gets that consistency and run without injuries or whether Jalen totally nails it, or we find somebody in the draft or whatever, we need that three-point shooter, that J.J. Redick-style player. You know, Grady Dick's being talked about a lot in the draft. Mm-hmm. Um, yes. I would to- I would totally buy that jersey just for what's on the back, because I would think it's so <laughs> disgusting. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, that's but totally me, mate. That, that jersey saw so me. You want grade A, Dick, not grade E. (laughs) I would look at the jersey, I'd be like, wow, finally they've made a jersey, which was made for me. (laughs) But I think think when you look at it, really, we we need that threat out there. And I will add, I don't think that that is Fred Van Vliet, even though three years ago, that would be where you would go, oh, he would fit great. I don't think that he is him. But I think we've we've got room for optimism, we've got room for growth. Let's play the season out. Let's see how if we can get in the play-in and give these guys meaningful minutes. And I'll go back to what I said at the start of the season. Meritocracy. Win it out. Prove it. I know we need to improve our three-point shooting, but don't you think we've already got that on the roster with Gary Harris? You know, you're talking about that extra role. 
And Caleb Houston as well. Well, Caleb Houston, like, I, I know there's a lot of talk and we all know that is a huge mm. area that this team needs to improve in next year. Because I, th- I think we all sit here and think next year we should be in the playoffs. Yeah. I don't think that's an unrealistic expectation to put on this team next year. And I know mm. there's areas in the team where you, you've got to keep, you've got to keep this, this team improving. But to me, that still comes from the internal development. Like we've obviously talked about Paolo's struggles. Franz is up to what's I don't know what Franz is averaging right now, but he's 18. been averaging about forty percent over the last good stretch of games. Uh, if Markel can continue to make that jump, if Cole can continue to make that jump, Jalen as well. Gary's or Gary's our best three point shooter. I don't know why. I know we keep thinking of players we can plug in at that two spot, but. For me, he's already he's already that guy. Um, Wendell's taken a bit of a jump from the three point line this year. I, I think it's more of the bench depth that we need to to improve on from that three point percentage because well, it's volume as well for Gary. Gary needs to take more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I yeah, completely I did, agree, G. That's a good we, shot. I didn't. Mate. I mean, I know I've been critical uh, at times of the three point shooting that we do. What I didn't realise until started we started doing the game previews again is how few three-pointers we take in the league compared to most other teams. We are really... I think we're 27th in the league yeah, we are. for the number of free throws attempted. Uh, sorry, for the number of three-point shots attempted. Um, mm-hmm. It feels like we're much higher than that at times. Uh, but yeah, our volume is way down on what a lot of other teams actually shoot, and I, I, was, I was surprised to see that. If, but, uh, if if we look two years down the line, at Paolo Bancaro, two years down the line, and we look at it and we see, he, let's say he's a thirty percent three point shooter. He's kind of like a Yanis, where if you leave him open, you've got to consider it. But his game's going to be about handling the ball, driving in, getting his points around the basket and in the paint. If, if we say that's where Bancaro goes to, I think what we need is to look at what Milwaukee have done, and they've they've got that where whether play whether people respect our three point shooters or not, we've got to have people who make them think. Mm. They've got, our three point shooters have to be respected, and if there was a thing, just totally hypothetically, where JJ Redick was on, say, standing out there and Hedo Turkoglu or Rashad Lewis was standing out there and you've got the ball in Paolo's hands and he's driving in the paint and you decide we're going to fill the paint up, you're going to die by the three. And we we need, I just think that there where people, we either shoot more threes from the outside with Gary Harris and we give Caleb Houston a chance and we see what we've got and we work with our guards, but we just, I think, need to have that where we become scarier from the three point because I just think right now we aren't respected from three. That that's my take. When when I see the, I think that's one of the big things that's changed for Paolo. I think teams are like right, get in the paint. When we played the Bucks in the playoffs, we crowded that paint area to try and nullify Giannis, and I think that's what teams are going to do to us. But we need to have like your Chris Middleton, Grayson Allen type players out there who it's like, yeah, you can do that but then you're going to get destroyed from the outside as well. And I just think having that option 
like a Grady Dick if he's as good as we think. But that JJ Redick type player out there who's who's going to do that all of a sudden changes us. And it might be Gary Harris, it might be Cole, whatever, we don't know. But I just think we need that respected fear, that person on the perimeter. And I think you'll get that a little bit more out of Paolo. That's two years down the line. How, how do you think we improve that three-point percentage next year? I think, well, I, I think, Mikey, that we won't. Not being pessimistic, but I, I said it at the start of the season, I, I think we'll just miss out on the playing. Yeah. And I think we will use one of our draft picks because we've got the Bulls one as well. I think we'll target a three-point shooter in the draft. That, that's my, If it's available, I think that's what we'll go for because I don't think we're going to... We'd be really, really lucky if we end up with a top two pick at this draft. Like That would be insane. But I think we might address it via the draft. I, I don't buy I don't buy this Fred Van Vliet talk because since when has people... Since when has anyone known what our front office were going to do? We Remember, we were taking Jabari Smith. That was nailed on by people who knew what was going on in the front office. Mm-hmm. Well, obviously, hey. Um, so yeah, I think I think we'll do it in the draft. I think we'll draft a three-point shooter. I, th- I think it's a case of we've got. To, I think we've got to go into the summer looking to raise our floor. Mm-hmm. We're still looking at Paolo, Franz, Markel. Th- those core, the, the core of our best players need to get better. Like we aren't going to get better without them getting better in the summer and, and going into next year. But we almost need to start putting pressure on those other players like Jalen, like Wendell, that they need to raise their game again. Otherwise, they're going to get pushed out because there's going to come a time where you've got to start recycling through players until you find that that balance of players that you want. Again, that was kind of my point with, with Gary Harris. Was To me, I, I look at him and think, we've got that. I'm not comparing him to JJ Reddick, but... He's shooting three really, really, really well this year. Probably better than JJ Redick did mm-hmm. in ever, any of his best years in Orlando. <clears throat> he's probably, a, well, no, not probably. He's a better defender than JJ Redick is. I mean, he's a he's a good two way guard. Mm-hmm. But how do you improve that guard position with the three? Do you force Jalen Suggs out? By that's that's my point. That you have to mm-hmm. almost raise the floor by bringing in better yeah, players yeah. to then put the pressure on and uh, yeah, uh, and make players fight for their playing time next year. I mean, that's the only way it's gonna it's gonna happen. I mean, it's a good conversation yeah. to have, isn't it? But um, the anno- the annoying thing is, Mikey, if you looked at it on paper, like if you just yeah. said statistic, like on paper, what players do, what they should do, and where they should go. <laughs> Mo Bamba would have been the perfect centre for Orlando. <laughs> and that's what's really annoying. Mo Bamba would have been the perfect centre for Orlando on paper. Because he solved a lot of those problems. Not that I dislike Wendell, but there we go. There's, uh, there's been two really good pieces I've read this week. Um, one is by Philip Rossman Reich um, in respect of the, the guard situation. Um, if anybody fancies a read like me, old school would rather read than uh, do listen to other podcasts and the like. Um, then, fan sided that, that Philip wrote is really good, uh, talking about the guard situation. The other one that uh, I've read is around is Wendell ultimately the answer to the centre position. 
and that was quite interesting. It's, there's, you can see, I, can, I, I, I personally like Wendell a lot. Um, I'm hoping that with another season we do see some more improvement on his three-point shooting, at which point I think he becomes a far more complete player. Um, but the argument is there as to if you had the opportunity. I know you're a fan of um, Valanciunas, Mikey, that if you've got an opportunity to pick up somebody who is a veteran in that position and offers just that solid core of rebounding that then recycles the ball for you far more or gets you a better chance at second point, is that a better option? It's quite. It's been some quite interesting stuff, but I, I'm, I'm happy to. I like to see Wendell get a little bit longer yet, personally. Yeah, I, you guys know I love Wendell, but I feel the only one of the only weaknesses with Wendell on the floor is we lack size to rebound the ball properly. Mm. I think there's games and stretches where you get stops, but you just fe- you're giving teams too many second chance opportunities, and how many of those lead to threes. Um, and I just feel sometimes you, you need a big seven footer out there, like a Stephen Adams. But I love Stephen Adams. So I'm Yusuf yeah. Nurkic. Yeah, yeah. I, I take yeah. Nurkic over both of those myself. Would you? No. Yeah, I like Nurk. But he kills us every every time we play. Does. Though you watch now on on Sunday, isn't it, Portland? There's, there's, like I yeah. said, there's two, there's two weaknesses of Wendell. It's his size. Is his shot? There's not a lot of shot blocking out on the floor when he's on the floor, and his durability. He, he's got to stay healthy for, for. I mean, you can't go into a season hoping he plays sixty, seventy games. You, you, that needs to improve as well. This is a reaction video that we're doing. Having just finished recording this week's Penny for Your Thoughts episode. In that episode, we are talking about Jonathan Isaac and whether his injury was something to be concerned about. I do believe a few moments ago, I actually said, I wouldn't be surprised to see him play against Portland. Well, clearly, I know next to Nafal. Um, the news has just broken that... Jonathan Isaac has undergone season-ending surgery to repair a torn left abductor muscle. Um, Woj describes it as a brutal setback for Isaac, who's 25, having played only 11 games this season after missing two years with a torn ACL. The MRI that um, was done revealed the abductor injury on Wednesday. So, first of all, lads, reactions. G. I'm speechless, absolutely speechless. Gary, uh, your 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 body language says it all, man. To quote Bill, to to quote Bill Murray, well, it's Groundhog Day again. (laughs) Here we go, Mikey. Let's come to as our resident expert on these sorts of things, (laughs) Doctor Doctor Mikey, Doctor Mikey O'Neill. Yeah, yeah. Tell mate, you've more experience of these sorts of things, no doubt, with um, the training side of things that you do. You must have re- helped one or two people come back from injuries. What's your thoughts on uh, an abductor tear? Well, it's not good. <laughs> That's a start. Um, 
I mean, we were talking. <laughs> it's, it's funny. We were talking. I can't before, believe. <laughs> we were talking. Before, <laughs> that's not what we wanted to hear, was it? <laughs> I genuinely can't believe. I wouldn't be surprised to see him play against Portland. <laughs> I would now, Paul. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I'm uh, an idiot. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I mean, the surgery. Wow. What I will say, trying to be, trying to put a positive spin on this, was I don't remember if this was was it earlier in the season or in preseason. And Gary Harris had surgery yeah. on an injury. That was a meniscus tear, though, wasn't it? My point is, sometimes with these surgeries, they can actually help speed up the recovery process, depending on how... Well, the thing is, we don't know how severe the, the, the tear is, um, and that's obviously going to determine how, how long he's going to be out for. I mean, we already know he's out for the rest of the season, but... We, we actually recorded a segment earlier in the podcast where we said that... It's it, we we don't want this to eat up into Ji summer where he can carry on working on his strength and work on his conditioning and work on his game so he's got a full summer to prepare for next year. Well, that's that's already gone out the window at this I'm, point. I'm just re- I'm um, just reading something here. Um, how long does a torn abductor muscle take to heal? And the answer that's on this. Uh, clinic website clinical website is if the tear is high on the abductor tendon recovery can be significantly slower and take approximately 12 Mm. to 16 weeks uh i'm glad you you said weeks yeah yeah mate well it could be years with jonathan Mm. who knows um a tear to the mid belly of the muscle will typically take between four and 12 weeks to heal depending upon the severity of the tear, just as you said, Mikey. In rare circumstances, you may require crutches to assist walking. And if you want to know why, there's less blood flow near tendons. Tendons and ligaments don't have much blood flow, whereas there's a higher blood flow in the middle of the muscle. So that's why the recovery's quicker for those types of injuries. I mean, we don't know. I mean, let, let's we may as well put... We may as well go for the longer time frame and add more time onto it with J.I. I, I yeah. mean, that's mm-hmm. just being realistic at this point. Um, I mean, yeah, I mean, we're giving you the clean reaction. All of us yeah. were, were uh, coming out with some explicit, explicitives beforehand. I, um, I wasn't, no, I'm I wasn't just, maybe. I wasn't. Yes, you were. You went. <laughs> no, I'm not going to say. How many cows worse? I mean... <laughs> The, the worst thing is, I'm, I just feel so sorry for Ji. I really do. I mean, it's eleven what was it? Eleven games he's come back, and he's gradually. I mean, we saw what impact he made in the short amount of time he was on the floor. He was ramping up his minutes slowly. Temporary setback. He'll be back beginning of next season, fighting fit, and that's when we're going to mount a challenge. So let's just. Ride this wave and uh, get him back on the court next season. So anyway, guys, this go- what watch the podcast for more of our accurate and hot takes because <laughs> it, it's a good one. We had fun. We had fun recording it, but we just wanted to give you a live reaction now uh, to the news that Ji is out season-ending surgery. We are recording our next episode on Friday, the March the 
10, provided we don't change our mind halfway through like we did this week. We were supposed <laughs> to record yesterday. Um, in between that time, the Magic played tonight against Charlotte. Uh, we then head home for the beginning of a four-game home stretch. Uh, we have, first of all, Portland, uh, which has a UK tip time of 11pm, so a little bit earlier for those of you who stay up to watch the games. Not such a hard work. Uh, we then see Milwaukee roll into town and Utah. Now, lads, I just want to know, first of all, are we going to break this voodoo that uh, Milwaukee have had over us recently? And what's your predictions for the week? So let's go with uh, Gary. You've been quiet for a while. Go for it, man. Yeah. I've gone two and two. Um, I don't think we'll beat Milwaukee, though. Within that, I just don't. I just don't think we will. I think, as we've already seen, when they've when they've got players somewhere reasonably healthy, I think they're a really tough matchup for us. I think we can cause Boston. We can cause Boston problems. We've seen that. Boston, are, I think Milwaukee and Boston are the best two teams in the Eastern Conference by some considerable. I think Philadelphia are finding their way up there as well, and there's an elite. But us against Milwaukee right now is not a. A matchup that favours us, so no, <laughs> two and two. G, where are you going, man? Uh, it's either three and one or two and two. Um, I'm going to be optimistic. I'm going to say three and one. I'm also going to agree with Gary. Um, and as I said earlier, I can't see anybody touching Milwaukee. You know, 16 game winning streak at the moment. Unless they start resting players, and I was having a bit of a conversation with uh, UK Bucks, and I said, you know, do us a favour on Tuesday and uh, give Giannis the night off. But obviously, they, they've got a lot of others. Um, so, and we played well on um, uh, earlier this week. Mm. So I can't see us beating them. We have to beat Charlotte. Let's be honest. And obviously, missing Lamelo Ball now. Um, Portland beatable, uh, but obviously, hopefully. Uh, Lillard has um, cooled down a little bit. Yeah, and he does seventy-one. Was it the other night? Yeah, man, that was wow. that was uh, mightily impressive. Um, and then obviously Utah. I mean, we should have beaten them earlier in the season. So uh, yeah, stick my neck out. We'll we we'll go three and one uh, with a loss to the Bucks. Mikey. I'm I'm not feeling it if I'm honest. I'm gonna go one and three. <laughs> Who are we beating? Charlotte. Okay. What, oh and three at home. Yeah. I I I quite I do feel that we could go two and two. But I'm not quite as confident about the Charlotte game as everybody else seems to be. We've in the last ten, they've won six out of those six out of those ten games. Um, most the of those what are they doing most, they're ruining their tank what are they doing most of those have come on our court as well they've won four times in Orlando out of those six so we're, we're playing in Charlotte though so it's alright I know so, yeah. and Lamella so, balls out with a broken ankle so so that that's where I'm kind of thinking that I'm not quite as confident but I, do, I am going for a win in Charlotte and I also think that we're going to uh Turn Utah over, so I'm going two and two. I'm going two. But not, Port- two. But not Portland. I'd like. I'd like to think it. I mean, it, it, that's one of them games that I, I would 
love to be over there for because I would I really would like to see Dame Lillard play, um, and that would be for me like the Golden State game. I'd want it to finish on a a one point win for the Magic and see Lillard go off on one in the same way as when we were over there for Golden State. We saw Steph Curry and Clay Thompson had brilliant games, but we won by a point and got to wave their fans away. That'd be the ideal. That'd be the ideal. Yeah. I like them games. <laughs> so, right. Anyway, everybody, thank you so much, as always, for listening and watching. Uh, please hit the subscribe button on the YouTube channel, Orlando Magic UK. Also, uh, notifications, so you should never miss another episode, which why would you want to miss another episode of us? If you fancy uh, getting any shopping done, hit our affiliate links, NBA Store, Europe and Fanatics. Don't forget to use the online discount code MAGICUK10 for 10% off your entire order, though certain exclusions may apply. As always, follow us Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, all at Orlando Magic UK. And until next time, from Gary, Garand, Mikey and myself, Go Magic.